just jumping in really quickly at the start of today's episode to tell you about some upcoming opportunities to see us live in the flesh. And you can see us live at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival 2024. We are doing three live podcasts on Sundays at 3.30 at Basement Comedy Club, April 7, 14 and 21. You can get tickets at dogoonpod.com. Matt, you're also doing some shows around the country. That's right. I'm doing shows with Saren Jaimana, who's been on the show before. We're going to be in Perth in January, Adelaide in February, Melbourne through the festival in April and then Brisbane after that. I'm also doing Who Knew It's in Perth and Adelaide. Uh, details for all that stuff at mattstewartcomedy.com. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Welcome to another episode of the podcast called Do Go On. Oh, the podcast. Jess was miming along with me, so I had to throw her off the scent. <laughs> I like to do that. And uh, the man throwing her off the scent is me, Dave Warnicky, and the scent sniffer is Jess Perkins. That's a me. And Matt Stewart watching me throw a scent at Jess's face. <laughs> it's you, Matt Stewart. Yeah, he's doing, he's cupping and he's piffing. It's no good. He's cuffing and piffing. Cuffing. Cup and scent, piffing it. Just having epiphany. Did you enjoy my scent? No, thank you. Oh, okay, Matt. Uh, look, I was only watching the scent, so I don't, mm. I don't know. It looked good. <laughs> From here, it looked quite good. Yeah, that's nice. I've got a real beard filter around my f- nose. Yeah. Does that actually filter your yeah. smells? Yeah. It goes through. Goes through a filter. I've got a vanilla essence in it. So oh, you must. Oh, you must. Oh, oh, imagine smelling vanilla essence. <laughs> imagine if I had done that. I was about to say imagine Vanilla if... essence is... <laughs> can you try <laughs> that's that? That's flavouring, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. But you I can put like to... a vanilla oil. Okay. I'll a beard a van- oil. I'll put a beard oil Do you oil put in. beard oil in your beard? Uh, no. Oh, I've heard that it's... Uh... Is it? It's some... I've heard it's quite good. I've heard oh. it's an aphrodisiac. <laughs> really? <laughs> There's oh, no, no sorry, that's loneliness. aphrodisiac like beard oil. Is that how that song goes? Yeah. Duh. I was going to say before, um, imagine if you put, if you, if you did smell vanilla all the time. And I was like, that'd be great. But then I, I thought about it. It's, it's probably, you've probably had some sort of injury to the face. <laughs> yeah. And also, vanilla. well, I mean, it's, it's a good option of like all of the smells. Everything smells like vanilla. Yeah, that's okay. okay. That'll just smell like somebody's baking and that's fun. Baking's we, nice. We all love to bake, Jess. We all. We love it. We b- Live to bake, bake to live. That's what I say on this show. No, Dave, you say you live to get baked. Ah, you conehead. (laughs) Hang on. I'm staunchly anti-cone. Oh, yeah, baking. No, there it is. Baked. Now, should we just get straight into the episode this week? Because it is me reporting and it will be a long one. Of course it will. Just flagging that. All right, well, hang on. Let's just just have a quick quick catch up. Uh, How are you? You good? Are you talk- talking to me? Yes. Sorry, um, I'm so right. high, I don't know who you're talking that's to. So I'm looking and pointing at <laughs> yeah, you, David. Yeah, I'm good. Great. Matt, are you well? Yes, thank you. Cool. Could somebody ask me? Oh. oh um. fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I genuinely was going to be like, anyway, so start with <laughs> uh, Jess? Yep, I'm good. Okay, start. Uh, uh, sorry, I was going to ask. Oh, okay. Are we all asking it? Okay. Yeah, no, let's do it. <laughs> I, uh, I'm looking forward to this because I think from memory, I always get Dave's questions right. That's true. From, from, memory, from memory, you yeah. always do. I look forward to, again, being super smart the next few minutes. Great. <laughs> right now, um, so if you have tuned in for the first time, maybe you're interested in the topic, uh, I'm going to do a report on it. Jess and Matt don't know what I'm going to report on. And to get on topic, we're going to start with 
a very open question. Great. My question is, what is the most interesting thing that's ever <laughs> happened? I like this already. In Adelaide. Oh. oh. Adelaide, Australia. Okay. What is the most interesting okay, thing? Big things in Adelaide. Adelaide Fringe is big. Yep. They they used to have the Grand Prix before Melbourne stole it. Is there anyone famous from Adelaide? Yeah, Ben Folds lived there for a while, wrote a song about it called Adelaide. Did Ben Folds live in Adelaide? Yeah, he married an Adelaidean. Adelaide. And he couldn't... (laughs) An Adelaide. (laughs) (laughs) I'm done. People use that before? A few minutes into the pod, that's my best joke. That's great. It feels so much like it must already be a thing, but I've never heard it before. Adelaide. I'm an Adelaide. I love that. It's lovely. I'm an Adam man. <laughs> Doesn't work, mate. Doesn't work. I'm an Adelaide man. <laughs> I'm an Adelaide man. Oh, hang on. I'm an Adam man. <laughs> I'm an, an Adam ant. Um, uh, what else thing to happen in Adelaide? From Adelaide? I know footballers. I know, is it football related? I know comedians who have moved to Melbourne, which is probably a good, <laughs> they good really, choice. They always do. They always do. Um, and then they come crawling is it, back. Is it sport or entertainment? Related? No, but we'll get entertainment out of this topic. It, oh. it's, it's difficult for you to get this. Politics? Okay. Can, is it, can we get another clue? Is this something Oh, is it could... dinosaurs that go way back? No, it is 1940s. The oh, year was Dave. 1942, see? That's Dave's chosen a topic from the 1940s. Late 1940s. <laughs> what is he Late... doing? <laughs> <laughs> Where do you think this might go? Late 40s. Oh, okay. Your, your man War. was already dead. Post-World War II. My man. My man. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I was going to say... <laughs> oh, fuck you. I was going to say... My, my man. man. <laughs> I was going to say... Oh. My man, Emperor Hirohito, no good because Jap- Japan would also were awful. Well, you can't you can't leave a gap of two minutes and not expect us to our minds to fill that in. My, My man, man. <laughs> you enjoyed that. This didn't topic, you? that was really the topic good. Yes, and the episode title that everyone has read actually ends in the word man. Word, word man. Okay, man. Adelaide man. <laughs> Close enough. I'm just going to tell you. Yeah, go on. We're going to talk about. The, the Summerton Man. Have you heard of the well, that, Summerton Man? My guess is the Summerton Man. <laughs> Am I correct? Let's uh, rewind the tape. Matt got in just before you. Oh, Sorry about good. that. Summerton Man. And there it is. <laughs> that was Fashion. a replay. <laughs> Wait, is the Summerton Man... That's a famous thing. That's Is that related to something else? <laughs> um, okay, I'm going to ask for some more information. <laughs> In that question. Oh, no, uh, please do go on, Dave. I'm really looking forward to getting into the Summit of Man. Let's see if he discusses something oh, also, that you maybe you Maybe you've seen this in the hat or suggest, it's been frequently suggested. Is it? The, but it's not. Is it about it. the beach guy washed up on the beach? What? There, there is a beach. Summerton Beach. Okay. But it's not about a man who was found there. Well, he might be found. I'm going to... Or did he find... But, it, but there's Jesus. a different name if that's the case, right? And the drones wrote a song about it. What? The Tom and Shud case? That is another name for the Summerton Man. Oh, man. I've I've wanted to do this. Wow, well slash done. Really? So curious about this, but I don't know really anything about it. I read briefly. I'm like, I've, I've got to do it when I've got enough time to really dedicate myself to it. Because there's been so many people who have asked for this. Cool. And, okay, so what we did was we've got a record of four people, the first four people that asked it, and then we've had a few more. I imagine they didn't make it into the hat. So these are the four, first four people to, to um, request the topic. And I would like to thank Holly from the UK who emailed it in. Awesome. Uh, Pete Free. 
Pete Free, also Pete. called Piet Free yeah. by me many times. On Patreon, thank you, Pete Free. Austin Brackett. Ah, frequent suggester. Right, at Austin Brackett. And uh, August, at Back in August. Ah, oh, live listener. <coughs> Came Fre- to the live shows. Frequent supporter of the show. Thank you, August. At Austin, Pete and Holly. First four people to suggest this very curious topic. Curious, you say? Hmm, I'm intrigued. Oh, that is the vibe I'm going for. Cool. It's working. I'm picking up that vibe. I'm picking it up. I'm putting it down over here. Matt's picking it up. He's going, oh, what's this? Spinning on my finger. Yep, have a spin. And then he puts it back down. And Dave, you take it away. Thank you. I've got the vibe back. <laughs> he who holds the vibe does the report. <laughs> oh, thank goodness. <clears throat> the Summerton man. Or but- she... Who holds the vibe, thank you. Or other Summerton man, or Summerton she. <laughs> I know, I was really delayed there. I was going to start it like I'm an audiobook. <clears throat> the Summerton man, as read by David James Warnicke. Excellent. DJ Warnicke. When wicka, you wicka, hear wicka, a chime, did you ever he- turn the page. We know, I never realised his initials are DJ Warnicke. DJ? Never ho- mm. called me? Never called me DJ? Spinning, no, I call you DW. Now I'm going to call you DJ. Anyway. I like DJ, it's cool. DJ War. <laughs> it is cool. Okay, have I ever mentioned this on the show before? War, first three letters of my last name. Mm-hmm. In grade one or Love two, it. there was a kid at my school who was obsessed with war. Uh-huh. He would constantly... His name was David J. Warnicky. <laughs> this is actually my favourite thing ever. He would draw constantly a thing called Radiation Beach. What? He would draw it and it would be like planes bombing a beach and, he, and it would have a sign saying Radiation Beach. Obsessed with war. And he told me, hey, you should write a book on war. Because when they put it in the library, the first three digits on the spine will be war. I think they'll be numbers, oh the first God. three digits. But um... No, that's not the case. Because of the Dewey Decimal System. It would be W-A-R. Uh, yes, they are categorised by number, but then placed on the shelf alphabetically. You said the first three digits would be war. I was just calling you out on a, on a little stumble there. but. But it's I'm... a nice story. It's a nice story. And that story goes out to my old pal, Alex Metcalf. From Radiation Beach, Victoria. It's a great name, Andrew Metcalf. How about that? Sounds like a rugby league player. Radiation Beach, also pretty good. It's a great name. Anyway, yeah, cool. <clears throat> Let's get into it. On the morning of November 30, 1948. The year was 1948. See? Radiation Beach. <laughs> You've stopped saying Adelaide. a good year. I don't know if you noticed that. Yeah, well, because I'm not... You... You've retired it. No, I'm just... It's. I don't want it to just be a given. You know? I'll decide. <laughs> When it's if a it's good a good year. year. <laughs> I'll decide which... I, I have a record of every year between yeah. 1066 and now. And that time, I wanted to do a 1940s voice instead, and I chose between the two. I couldn't go, ah, 1948, a good year. Like, that would just be silly. Oh, that would have been so I good. wish you'd done that. What a missed opportunity. <laughs> She's um, slipping. DJ, she, do go she on. She is slipping. November 30, 1948. <laughs> a man wearing a white shirt, red and blue tie. <gasps> what? Brown Trousers cool. arrives at Adelaide train station. From? <laughs> Unknown. <gasps> Graying at the temple, the man in, in, in his... Mr. Sheffield. <laughs> oh, Mr. Sheffield. <laughs> Graying at the temple, the man is in his early to mid-40s. He's carrying a suitcase. Sometime before 12 noon, he checks this suitcase into the train station cloakroom and is issued a luggage receipt. He then buys a train ticket to Henley puts the ticket in his pocket. However, he doesn't take this train. Instead, he decides to take a bus to St. Leonard's, which is possibly closer to where he intends to go. 
Further south in Adelaide, closer to the popular Glen Elg and mm-hmm. Somerton beaches, mm-hmm. the man eats a pasty. <laughs> veggie? Veggie pasty? Unknown. Oh, I love a veggie pasty. Oh, so good. He arrives at the Somerton beach and goes down onto said beach. He goes down. Later that night, a jeweller named John Lyons and his wife, unknown. Notice the man... No one ever remembers the wife. No, that's why I, you I were, knew you were going to say that. I googled the shit out of his wife. Thank you. And she did not appreciate that. <laughs> Thank you for checking that, because you knew that I, that would upset I me. I wanted to know what the mystery wife's name was. Mm. Or was he having an affair? <gasps> so John Lyons, his jeweller, his wife, they notice a man lying in the sand, slumped with his head propped up against the seawall, lying adjacent to the steps in front of the crippled children's home. I love that detail. At first, John and his wife are concerned for the man, but he raises his right arm and drops it limply. They brush it off, thinking him being a drunk, sobering up on the beach. Sure. That's where I like to sober up. <laughs> Face down. Okay, I'm going to go down to the beach now. <laughs> I'm going to sleep And then the uh, hangover be gone, you know? <laughs> that salty air. Yeah, that fresh sea air. I get you. Mm. Half an hour later, with the streetlights now shining brightly, another couple, Gordon Straps and Olive Neal. Thank you. <laughs> we know Fantastic. her name. Gordon and Olive. They noticed the... Fuck, sa- it is 1948, isn't it? Gordon of Olive. <laughs> Gordon of Olive. <laughs> oh, we should say, this one's been recorded late at night. I am Gordon of Olive. <laughs> uh, Gordon is going for a beautiful beach troll with his new young girlfriend, oh. Olive. Mm. They she's notice new. she's young. <laughs> she's here. She's happening. She's olive. She's oil. <laughs> she's on your pizza. <laughs> is this where this is going? Gordon and Olive. They notice what appears to be the same man lying in the sand. They walk up the beach and back and note that the man hasn't moved, although they think that his position may have slightly changed. They comment to each other that he must be dead because he's not even reacting to the mosquitoes. Or they, although they too come to the conclusion that he must be either drunk or asleep. One of the couple looks up to the promenade above the seawall and sees a man looking down onto the man asleep on the beach and they decide, eh, they, must, they won't investigate any further. Aww. The next morning, our jeweller, John Lyons, he's back on the beach, going for a beach stroll, meets up with a friend. He's always on the bloody beach, this John Lance. Get to the bloody jewellery store, mate. (laughs) Come on, John. It's 6am at this time. Fucking hell, John. Jewelling doesn't start till 9. That's prime jewelling time. (laughs) You don't think you just rock up at 9 and all the jewelling's been done? Yeah, shit. That's when the shop opens. Man, you you gotta, gotta, it's like a baker. you got to get there early and make the you jewels. you got to jewel. <laughs> you got to bake your jewels. People go in, they jewel from normally like 3am. A jeweler yeah, will go yeah, in yeah, and start yeah. jeweling. Most jewelers are in bed by 6. They don't They're come out of the oven till eight eight thirty. Yeah, hot in the shelves. You got to cool down for half an hour and then fresh ready jewels. to sell. Jeez, come on! Get Dave. your fresh jewels. <laughs> he's back on the beach. He meets a friend. And he also sees two men with a horse. Whilst he's there, what color is the horse? Brown. You don't know that. Unknown. <laughs> <laughs> Brown's probably a good guess, though. John looks over at the seawall and notices the same man from the night before still lying. And what he is convinced is the same position. The man hasn't moved. He fears the worst. <laughs> what? Yeah. He, now he's starting to think. Yeah. Now he's like, hmm, hang on yeah, a second. Hang on. I'm going to finish my beach walk, and if he still hasn't moved, then I'll investigate. He fears the worst. The four men and the horse <laughs> go up to the lifeless body. 
The horses. The horses. <laughs> easy, easy snow tiger. I just took a sip of my water, you pricks. <laughs> the horses. They go up to the lifeless body. They think the man is dead. Constable John Moss arrives on the beach at 6.45am. He calls an ambulance. The body is loaded into it, and outside Royal Adelaide Hospital, a few hours later, they take their time, at 9.40am, the body is officially pronounced dead. It's then pr- uh, transferred to the city mortuary. Okay, so those are the last wow. few hours of life for the guy known to history as the Summerton Man. This, and end of report. Just tried to make that a little bit creepy. Do you appreciate the little tone? I was going yeah. On? yeah. I hope you, you drop some sort of eerie music in. Maybe I will. I think you should. Probably the Antiques Roadshow theme again. (laughs) 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 Antiques Roadshow. (laughs) Two clicks, thank you. (laughs) Sorry. Antiques Roadshow. (laughs) So they did an uh, autopsy report on this unknown man. Yep. He was listed as 180 centimetres tall, 5 foot 11-ish, with uh, hazel eyes, fair to ginger coloured hair, slightly (sighs) greying around the temple, Mm -hmm. broad shoulders, Mm -hmm. and a narrow waist. He was an exceptionally fit-looking man. Sounds oh. like he's got a triangle-shaped torso, which is often the goal, goal shape. Oh, he sounds like a babe. He's got a, bit of, he's got a bit of salt and pepper in oh, the he's temple. Salt, he's salt and pepper. But he's fit. Oh, fuck you. Yeah. Well, you know, if you count being dead. <laughs> he was fit. <laughs> he was super fit. If I'd been on the scene I mean, 24- he's a real beach body <laughs> in mm. a lot of ways. If I'd made it onto the scene 24 <laughs> hours earlier, he would have been mine for the taking. <laughs> now I've got to deal with the jeweler. <laughs> Second prize. Wow. Uh, the man, his hands and nails show no signs of manual labour. His uh, big and little toes met in a wedge shape, like those of a dancer or someone who wore boots with pointed toes. He has uh, pronounced high calf muscles that the doctor noted were like those of a ballet dancer. Hmm. I'm still into this man, Jess? What are you saying, Dave? Yeah. What are you saying, Dave? These leg traits are also characteristic of many middle and long distance runners. Yeah. Oh, the doctor is aware of what ballerinas' legs look like. Which is, in the know. 1940s, to get a job, you have to be pretty well-rounded. Yeah. What are your three uh, topics of expertise? Medical stuff. <laughs> Dancing. Long distance running. <laughs> well, you oh. actually met my hidden criteria here and here, sir. Tick, tick, tick. tick. Medical well done. stuff was one of my hidden <laughs> criteria. <laughs> for this doctor role I'm hiring uh, for. You had me at ballet. <laughs> Dancing stuff. I like how you thought that uh, him being a good dancer might have put Jess off somehow. No, I just wanted to check in because I'm pretty sure that she would. she was going to really... Oh, because of the river dance thing. Oh, yeah. Because I bloody love... You love to dance. I love to dance. We love to watch fit men dancing. Oh, I love to dance. I'm not good at it, but I do love to watch fit men dancing. Oh, baby. And ladies. Oh, ladies. Uh, the body you is... love to dance. Body was a... I live to dance. That's the difference between us, Jess. And I river dance. I riv to dance. <laughs> oh, please. Ah! I riv to dance. <laughs> the body was uh, clean-shaven, carried no identification, which led police to believe he may have committed suicide. Mm. He also had no hat, which at <gasps> the time was uh, very uncommon for a man to be seen without a hat. That's weird. What a time. Well, it's kind of, that's your time, Matty. It's rare that we see you without a hat. No, I yeah, will well, say none of them are like NBA style cap. I mean, baseball style caps. No, I understand that. But you I won't, like... You'll see less hats of me now because the weather's turning to cold. Sure. I'm a real big summer hat man. Okay, cool. Because I'm very pale. But he, you also do a lot of beanies. 
Oh yeah. So I'm also, yeah, there's this. There's, we're in this sweet uh, autumn window transition. where I'm, I'm a, I wear a nude head. <laughs> so autumn you, and spring. What an exciting nude time. Nude up top. So you're a summer head man, and he's a summer tin man. <gasps> Holy shit! Need I say more? We're both ginge. Mm. You're not quite growing at the temple yet, and though. We're both dead. <laughs> really slowly and I didn't like it. <laughs> Do you know what's really creepy? What? All labels on this man's clothes had been removed. What? His teeth did not match the dental records of any known living person. A search of his pockets revealed an unused second class rail ticket from Adelaide to Henley Beach, the one that he didn't use, mm-hmm. a bus ticket that he did use, a narrow aluminium American style comb that you wouldn't, wouldn't be very easy to get in Australia at the time. A half-empty packet of Juicy Fruit chewing gum. Oh, I love Juicy Fruit. Juicy Fruit will get you going. And even That's an, another ad from probably... Say, before, do you remember that jingle? Go nah. to another 1980s ad. Nah. I think it was an early 90s one, but sure, it could have been 80s. Yeah, but we were like Juicy infants. Fruit will get you going. We weren't really taking in the Juicy Fruit ads. It's just chewing you gum. You don't see Juicy Fruit much anymore. No. My, so except no in my dad's chewy. car. Really? He's a juicy man. He seems to be. He's a juicy man. Oh. I like your dad. Met him very briefly, but uh, I like the cut of his jib. I also like the smell of his fruity, fresh breath. Mm-hmm. It's the worst gum. It's, yeah. it's so small. Because it would, yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got to have two at least. I love have the, half a pack of It's either. a real <laughs> burst of flavor, but it goes so, so quick. So quick. So quick. They're, like, they're lollies that, you know, the husk of it just hangs around in your mouth. It's a draggy. Yeah, it's a draggy. It's a draggy. This episode is not brought to you by Juicy Fruit Chewing Gum. I cannot stress that enough. (laughs) The man also had a uh, quarter box full of matches. He also had an Army Club cigarette packet containing Conceita's cigarettes. It was common at the time to have cigarettes that didn't match match the box. Uh, Often an expensive box was kept and then cheaper cigarettes were put in there sort of to try and make yourself look a little bit richer. But in this man's case... He had the more expensive cigarettes in a very cheap and common oh. packet, perhaps indicating that he was trying to go undercover and remain unnoticed. Oh. Interesting, but, but at, at, at the same time, would not smoke a cheaper brand. I will not go yeah. inferior. Yeah, well, yeah. I'm not going to fully yeah. commit to no, this. If you no, examine no. my fingers closely, you will see that I'm still a man of very high taste. You know a lot about a man by his brand. Is that another 1980s ad? I think that might be a, a, like a 1950s Marlboro ad. Marlboro. The, the Marlboro Cowboy or whatever? Mm. Or was it a Mal- Marlboro Moose? Whatever the Marlboro guy. There's a guy, wasn't it? Is it Camel? Camel. That's Camel, though. <laughs> oh, regret face. The Marlboro Moose. But I just like, I love that. It's a it's great advertising. The problem with cigarettes is like the advertising's all inherently evil because mm. you're trying to make people do something that's going to slowly kill them. But fuck, they had some great catchphrases. <laughs> like, that's that's some great copy. You know a lot about a man by his brain. Mm. I'm smoking that. Yeah, oh yeah. I wouldn't, but I would. Yeah. If it was advertising anything else. Yep. You know a lot about a man by his brand? Juicy fruit, chewing gum. <laughs> you know, I mean. like the band he likes. That's the main thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the autopsy report concluded that the man had died about 2am. Hmm. So when they saw him on the beach, he probably wasn't dead yet. Okay. But probably dying. Uh, the autopsy showed the man's last meal was a pasty eaten three to four hours before death. That's probably my last meal, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah, so, that's, that, so that's how they know he had a pasty. 
because they chopped open his stomach oh. and had a sniff. Okay, great. Now I don't want pasties ever You've again. You've ruined pasties for the night. Thanks, Dave. I'm not going to eat this pasty in front of me. Yeah, okay. you... I brought pasties for everyone. Yeah. You bloody ruined it. Yeah. You want to have a sniff now? <laughs> not until it's in my guts, you weirdo. <laughs> Oh, you're about. That's when I smell real good. Sniffing my guts. Yeah, you want to sniff my guts, do you, Dave? <laughs> give his guts a sniff, Dave. I'll give you guts a sniff for a free pasty. <laughs> That's the deal. And it always has been. <laughs> not changing now. <laughs> Our test failed to reveal any other foreign substances in the man's body. The man's body was healthy, except his spleen was three times larger than it should have been. What? That feels, is that a lot larger? Three yeah. times? Three times. 300%? Indicating that he may have been sick. Could have been an illness to make a... There's varying things that can make your spleen bigger. There were also several congestions of blood in his stomach, liver, and spleen. Hmm. The type that uh, is often caused by poisoning. <gasps> what? Uh, the, pytho- uh, the pathologist, Dr. Dwyer, concluded, I am quite convinced that the death could not have been natural. The poison, I suggest, is probably a barbiturate or a hypnotic drug. Although poisoning remained in prime suspicion, the pasty was not to believe to be the source of the poison. So I just want everyone to calm down and stop blaming the pasty. I would never blame a pasty. It wasn't a nasty pasty. (laughs) (laughs) That's dumb. (laughs) He did eat a smoisin, though. Excuse me, is this uh, smoisin poisoned? I've never heard such a ridiculous question in my life. My smoison is of a very high quality. Thank you very much. That'll be three dollars. Three dollars for the smoison. It's high quality, but is it poisoned? Stop! You stop getting around my question. Yeah, come on, please. Move along. I've got more smoison to sell. Hey, Dave, what's a smoison? Well, I don't have time for these juvenile <laughs> questions, young woman. Next. Hi. Um. Could I get a smoison? Um. You. What yep. is it? And <laughs> is it poisoned? Two questions that I, I'm very familiar with, but I'm very annoyed at. <laughs> Move along. Smoison poison. <laughs> Matt's uh, two flavors of ice cream: uh, <laughs> peppermint and smoisenberry. <laughs> smoisenberry poison. Delicious. Pill. <laughs> Other than that, the uh, coroner was unable to reach a conclusion as to the man's identity, his cause of death, or whether the man seen alive at the Summerton Beach on the evening of 30th of November was the same man, as nobody had gone up close to his face. Mm. He was wearing the same outfit and in the same position, so it's pretty likely that they saw the dying man. Mm. He was tested for poison extensively, but none could be found in his body. Mm. Uh, was so- he tested for schmoison? <laughs> <laughs> The smoison tests have come back inconclusive, <laughs> mainly because we're unsure as to what a smoison is. Is it this? <laughs> it's holding <laughs> Some <up>. goop. <laughs> is this a smoison? <laughs> for God's sake, I have no time for these juvenile questions. <laughs> Either buy a smoison or move along. He just spends, he spends most of his days in court cases and he's in morgues and just... Is this a smoison? <laughs> oh, I'm trying to run a legitimate business. Keep coming along asking me if I keep poisoning people with my smoison. If you don't know what a smoison is, please look it up in the dictionary. It can be found on page 96. It's a very small dictionary as S comes on page 96. Smoison. It's also his sign off. Is it, is it this? <laughs> Holding up paper clips. Is there anything they can find? 
Is this the schmoise? Is this the schmoise? <laughs> schmoise is fun. If anyone out there does know what schmoise is, get in contact. Yeah, I'd love to see a picture of some schmoise. <laughs> oh, no. It's <laughs> oh, very fun. So initially, they can't identify the man, but the police aren't worried, and the local newspaper doesn't run that much about it. So December 2nd, the Adelaide Advertiser newspaper, in an article headlined, Body Found on Beach, which is... Good one, good one. Great copyright. Yeah. I love getting to the heart of a matter. Yeah, you got to get straight to the point. Uh, the article suggested that a man called E.C. Johnson is the deceased man. However, the next day, Mr. Johnson walks into the police station and tells them he is alive. <laughs> Hello. Hello, I'm Mr. Johnson. Pardon? I think you'll find... I think he's talking to you. (laughs) I think you'll find uh, Mr. Johnson has been poisoned by Schmoisen. So move along, please, sir. Move along, please, sir. So it's not EC Johnson. Over a week goes by and no one can identify this guy. His fingerprints don't match any on file. What? Police are starting to get concerned. It's a little bit weird and his body is starting to decompose. So on December the 10th, he is embalmed. He has his ass packed with no. cotton. He is pumped full of formaldehyde. No. He is embalmed. Yeah. What is it? Is it weird that his his um, fingerprints and teeth aren't on the record? Or is that just like it means he hasn't committed crimes? Crimes or doesn't match people that have maybe fought in the world in the, one of the, the Second World War? Right, which would be quite a few. People which at the time would be time. many men, sort of his age 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 range, but at the same time. Back then, you don't have a computer, so you are matching it by hand oh, and sight. Right. Which is pretty... Oh, that's yeah, hectic. shit. Yeah, that's amazing. So, like, now you can just dial it up and then search a million in 10 seconds. But now right. it's like... Well, so, it's quick. possible that it was just missed, maybe. Yeah, definitely. Human error. Wow. Uh, but he's embalmed, and this is the first time uh, in uh, the police in Adelaide have ever had to do this, keep a man embalmed. And he also is frozen. So, they embalm him, and then they've frozen him. Wow. And then they thaw him out, put him in the oven, 180 degrees, 15 minutes... <laughs> They eat him up. They eat him up? Schmoisen. <laughs> Schmoisen. That's how he gets out of anything. Uh, Schmoisen. Schmoisen. Sounds Good. like something Sidney Scheinberg yeah. would say. Schmoisen. <laughs> oh, I've got a Schmoisen here. It's my new film. I think we should call it Schmoisen. The Second Coming. Real New York. Schmoisen. Back feel, of the habit. It feels like a real New York, a New York food. Mm. Is it? Is no. that where it's from? Schmoisen. Can't confirm nor deny. I'm schmoisen here. I'm schmoisen. <laughs> I'm, I'm schmoisen. I'm schmoisen here. That's my New York. It's pretty good. Thank uh, you. In January, two people identified the body as that of a 63-year-old uh, former woodcutter named Robert Walsh. The possibility was ruled out, though, as the dead body looked too young to be Walsh. This man's in his 60s and the man on the table dead is in his 40s. Mm. Also, his hands would have showed signs of manual labour. So uh, the <sighs> woman who identified her, the body as Walsh Elizabeth Thompson later retracted her statement. I have been mistaken, sir. I have been schmoisened. <laughs> January uh, 1949, so month has gone past. Staff at the Adelaide Railway Station discover a brown suitcase with its label removed, which had been checked into the station cloakroom at 11am on 30th of November 1948. No one's come forward to claim it. It is believed that the suitcase was owned by the man found on the beach. In the case, they found a red checked dressing gown, a size 7 red felt pair of slippers matching one dressing gown. Wow. Four pairs of underpants, pyjamas, 
Shaving, shaving items, a light brown pair of trousers with sand in the cuffs, an electrician screwdriver, a table knife cut down with a short instrument, a pair of scissors with sharpened points, scissors, and a stenciling brush used by third officers on merchant ships for stenciling cargo. So was he a Navy man? Hmm. Hmm. All identifying uh, marks on the clothes, including labels and uh, name tags, had been removed... Except for police found the name T. Keen written on a tie, Keen on a laundry bag, and Keen on a singlet. Keen for pain. He might have been a mustard man. Or, or Keen for pain. I like that we both had jokes locked and loaded, though. <laughs> Thanks for calling mine a joke. <laughs> and I was being generous to myself also. Dave Jiggerlin. Police thought, great, we found our guy. He's a dude called T. Keen. What do you, th- what do you reckon the first name is? Terry. Two. No. Good one. Too keen. Too keen uh, for pain. There does become a point where you become so overly keen for pain that you scare the people off. Do you, you scare you, off the you, pain. you think you can be too keen for pain? It's a possibility. Hmm. I've never seen it myself. <laughs> but I have been it myself. <laughs> they thought, great, we found our guy. But a search concluded that there was no T keen or keen missing in any English-speaking country. What? Police believe that whoever removed the clothing tags possibly purposefully left the Keen tags on the clothes, knowing that Keen was not the dead man's name. Throw him off the track. Throw him off, throw him off the track. Because back at the time when, uh, this is just after the Second World War, where clothes rationing is widespread, maybe T. Keen was a different person. This man has come and bought mm. a box of clothing. He's got a tie. He's got a shirt. says T. Keen. Mm. He's not even called Keen. Interesting. Interesting. Also, who's labelling clothes? Yeah. Back in the, ti- at the time, pe- many people did. Yeah, no, I remember like mum putting labels on my been school a, clothes. Yeah, he might have been a schoolboy. <laughs> was he a schoolboy, Dad? Don't lose your bloody school dress. He was a mid-40s schoolboy. I can't oh. remember. Oh, my God, that's so hot. <laughs> I'm back on board. This guy's great. On the Summerton man's body, they did not find a ticket for the suitcase, so he may have lost it. Fair mm. enough. Mm. Or whoever killed him may have taken the suitcase... Gone to Adelaide train station, gone to the cloakroom, picked up the suitcase, which was unlocked, unlocked mm-hmm. suitcase, removed all identifying labels on the clothing, and then put it back, possibly to be found, leaving T. Keen there to throw authorities off the scent. It's complicated. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, I'm not saying no. I'm just saying it's a complicated plan. Uh, maybe. Or are you, are you saying that it definitely is, Dave? Maybe. Oop, maybe. Maybe. The only vaguely conclusive thing found uh, that came from the suitcase was that one of the jackets had a particular type of stitching used only in the USA at the time. So the man could have been American, or he may have just visited there. Okay. Oh, starting to narrow things down. He's heard of America. Mm. Mm. Interesting. Mm. Open and shut case. A police checked incoming train records on the day and believed that the man had arrived at Adelaide Railway Station by overnight train from either, they narrowed it down to Melbourne, Sydney, or Port Augusta. Okay, so the two most populated cities in Australia. And it was speculated that he was probably from, came from one of the bigger cities because he came from a smaller town than um, where there's less people about. Someone would be more likely to remember because they widely circulated his photo of the body. So people may have come forward and be like, oh, yeah, I saw the guy on the day. But no one has come out and said that they saw him at the train station. Mm. Right. Only people on the beach when he's lying there dying. Uh, the police speculated he had showered and shaved at the uh, city baths. 
uh, before returning to the train station to purchase a ticket at about 10.50am uh, and then instead going on the bus. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what they think. That's all they know about his movements. A coroner's inquest into the death was uh, conducted. It commenced a few days after the body was found, but it was adjourned on uh, the 17th of June, 1949. The investigating pathologist, John Burton Cleland, great name, mm. re-examined the body and made a number of new discoveries. Cleland noted that the man's shoes were remarkably clean and appeared to have been recently polished, rather than in the state expected of a man who had been uh, apparently apparently wandering around Glenelg all day. Mm. Got fresh shoes on. Mm. He added to this evidence... He added that this evidence fitted in with the theory that the body may have been brought to Somerton Beach after the man died or as he was dying, accounting for the lack of evidence of vomiting and convulsions, which are the two main side effects of poison. Mm. So if you poison as you die, you often vomit a lot. That's fair. That makes sense. Even if it's schmoisen related? Schmoisen is one of the only poisons that does that makes you... <gasps> so schmoisen's a poison. poison. I've said too much. <laughs> is poison I reacted like a real smart guy Well here we go well, Is poison <laughs> Cedric Stanton Hicks Professor of Physiology and Pharmacology At the University of Adelaide Testified that of a group of drugs Variants of a drug in that group he called Number one and number two Were extremely toxic And it would be difficult If not impossible to identify During an autopsy Cedric Hicks, uh, he gave the coroner a piece of paper with the names of the two drugs, which was uh, entered as Exhibit C-18. The names were not released to the public until the 1980s as they were, quote, quite easily procurable by an or- ordinary individual from a chemist without need to uh, give reason for the purchase. Oh. So he just he just called them Poison 1 and Poison 2. Wow. Or Schmoisen 1 and Schmoisen 2. Wow. There's multiple Schmoisens. One of the drugs was later identified as Digitalis. Digitalis. She's a, it's a type of... I don't know. Did ya? <laughs> Digitalis? It's a type of... Um... <laughs> Matt's walking out the door. It's Bye, a... Matt. If you have too much Digitalis, if you overdose on it, it, uh, it, has, uh, it gives you a heart attack. Oh, right. Okay. And then disappears quite quickly, often making you look like you've just had a heart attack. Oh, wow. So if you know someone who's had a heart attack, think again. <laughs> They've been schmoisened. <laughs> They've been schmoisened by Digitalis schmoisen. I've actually got a fact here. 98 out of 100 heart attacks are actually digitalis schmoisenings. That is incorrect. <laughs> but 98 out of 100. Hang on, let me get this percentage. It's three-fifths. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> it was determined that the man was probably poisoned, but they had no idea how. Well, I weren't sure. Mm. Schmoisen. The lack... Yeah, that's what you write down when you don't know how someone died. Schmoisen? Is anyone at home being annoyed by the word schmoisen yet? <laughs> Too bad. I don't plan to stop. <laughs> <laughs> the lack of success in determining the identity and cause of death of the Somerton man had led the authorities to call it an unparalleled mystery and believe that the cause of death might never be known. Wow. After the inquest, a plaster cast was made of the man's head and shoulders, which was quite difficult as he was thawing out from the f- from being frozen as they were putting plaster on him, so it was quite difficult. But they made one. And in 1949, after the inquest, the body of the unknown man was buried in Adelaide's West Terrace Cemetery where the Salvation Army conducted the service. 
on the on the tomb it just says, Here lies the body of a man found on Somerton Beach. December first, nineteen forty nine. Oh, that's really beautiful. But just when they thought they were going nowhere. We're on the road to nowhere. Just as they started singing, we're on the road to nowhere. Yeah, I know. A new piece of evidence was found. (gasps) They found the schmoisen. They found the schmoisen. (laughs) Juicy fruit. Inside, they didn't test the juicy fruit. (gasps) No, not true. I'm sure, I assume they did. They found the rest of the juicy fruit in his butt. (laughs) (laughs) He'd been shelving juicy fruit this whole time. He'd had an overdose. (laughs) Little known fact about juicy fruit is if you put it into any other orifice apart from your mouth, mm-hmm. you will die of a heart attack. I've put it up my nose and I had a heart attack and I died. You lived to tell the tale? Yeah. Yeah, I temporarily died. Just thought it'd be funny. Thought I'd stick it up my nose. It was. You were there. It was great, wasn't it? It was real good. It was a real fruit. <laughs> we laughed. Uh. We laughed until Jess started convulsing and having a heart attack. Mm. But uh, We laughed. We died. <laughs> Yeah, we got over it and we moved on. Yeah. <laughs> and you were there. And you? You weren't there though, were you, Dave? No. No. I've got an alibi. <laughs> he was busy at the schmoisen stand. <laughs> oh yeah, Dave, how's my schmoisen coming along? <laughs> Give me a few minutes. How long does it take to cook a schmoisen? A few minutes. Do you cook them? Yeah. Okay. But I will not give away my secret ingredient. Is it schmoisen? It's poison. <gasps> Oh shit! Oh no! Hang on. Let me retract what I just oh, said. Oh, hang on. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get twenty percent below MSRP for an average of fifteen thousand one seventy eight under MSRP on the purchase of a twenty twenty three Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland four by e or Summit four by e. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. <laughs> um, so they found a new piece of evidence. Initially missed when searching the dead man, a tiny piece of rolled up paper was found in his fob pocket which is the tiny pocket inside the big pocket at the time intended for a fob watch. One of those round watches on a chain. Yeah, is that what they were so for? Inside his pants. But this tiny pocket was described by the pathologist that found it as a very, very secret pocket. Mm-hmm. Very, very secret. And I, I'm saying that twice. I'm sorry, a pathologist yeah. was looking through his pants. So he went Pathologist, back- they're, they're pant pocket experts. Pant man. He's a pant man. Pantologist. I'm a doctor of pantology. Yeah, there's a silent N in there. If you see it written down. Pantologist. So what do you do for a job? I'm a pant man. (laughs) Oh. Can you look at these pants? Oh, no. no, I don't look at living men's pants. No, no, no. I'm an expert in the dead man's pants. Dead man's pants. If there's a dead man, I want to get into his pants. (laughs) ASAP. Especially for those secret little pockets. Those cheeky little secret pockets. Apparently, when he first found the pocket, he found this little piece of paper, and then he put it back. Because he's like, oh, I'll show the people where they first fa- where where I found it, and he couldn't find the pocket again. It's really, really secret. Wow, really, really secret pocket. That's amazing. Very, very secret, I should say. The Re- piece- it's really very secret. The <laughs> tiny piece of paper had two words that read. Oh, Matt, let's have a go. Uh, one sure word each. This is the fame. Is this one of the famous bits? I feel like I should know this. I'm going to say, pants. <laughs> secret. Pants secret. <laughs> I've got a pants secret. <laughs> and when the pants man 
The doctor of pantsology turned over the pants man's the pants secret. He read the words to mom should. Ah, close. Ah. Which is pants secret in Latin. You are a Latin expert, that's right. <laughs> now, the police were initially baffled, so they put the call out for what the hell this could mean. Mm-hmm. And a journalist phoned in to say that the phrase is Persian and translates as ended or finished. <gasps> oh, so this is found in a dead man's pants. Dead man's it's... pants. You've got a, like a secret Persian, like a pretty obscure word. Okay, but like, okay. Ended. Okay, finished. but like, I think the, uh, I think... The people who found his body got the idea that he was finished from the dead bit. Mm. Did you have to leave a little note in his secret yeah, pants? Yeah, right. In his secret little pants? <laughs> secret little pants pocket? What? Is that a new Pirates of the Caribbean movie? Pirates of the Caribbean? Dead Man's Pants? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it is, yeah. I, I imagine they, they worked with many pantsologists to make sure that it was accurate to true pants. Mm. I, yeah, I wonder if it's maybe the note was meant to be going towards someone else saying I've finished the job of killing him, but it ended up in his pants. <laughs> in a As seat, the in a very, very does. Well, maybe it was a pocket. zodiac style taunting mm. note. Yeah. Or maybe he was learning Persian and he had a word a day calendar, <laughs> and that was fin- his. He wakes up in the morning and goes, "Finished, finished. Tamam should finished, finished." Is that, wait, how do you pronounce it? Tamam should. Ah. Uh. It's one of those ones I've seen written down. I was I said Tom and Shud. Hang on. Did you see it ah. written down in a dead man's pants? <gasps> Only after I wrote it and put it there in his secret, secret very pocket. Oh, that's all right then. I got that the wrong way around. So Tamam Shud is, it's typed up on a small piece of paper. Yeah, where did they The journalist that phoned in, he said that the phrase could be found as the last words of the Rubaiyat of Omar Khayyam. A collection of about 1,000 poems written in the 11th century by Persian scholar, mathematician, and good at everything kind of guy, Omar Khayyam. The theme of these poems in this book in general is that one should live life to the full and have no regrets when it ends. Disagree. Hmm. Live life half mast. Get to the end of it on your deathbed. Just be like, fuck! (laughs) Yeah. Tamam Always should. leave them wanting more. <laughs> Tamam should. Yeah. Always, Always leave, leave yourself wanting yeah. more. <laughs> <laughs> if I could go again, I would. <laughs> so the... many regrets. So the poem's subject and the words finished or ended led police to theorise that the man had possibly committed suicide by poison, although there was no evidence mm. to back this theory. Mm. <clears throat> but, like, why leave... Your suicide note in a tiny, tiny piece of paper in a tiny, tiny secret pant. <laughs> secret pant pocket. Pant. Secret pant pocket. Hmm. Maybe hoping the pants man will find it. Hmm. The police published this information hoping that it would lead to someone coming forward. And it worked. A man came forward. He wished to remain anonymous, but he told police that on the night of November 30, which is the night that we saw our man yeah. dying on the beach... He had parked his car near Somerton Beach, leaving it unlocked, as many people did in the day. It was a different time. (laughs) When he returned to the car, he noticed a book in the bottom footwell of his car. He thought this was strange, obviously, but didn't think much more of it, until he read the article in The Somerton Man and realised that the book that he found in his footwell was a copy of the Rubaiyat of (gasps) Omar Khayyam. After reading the article, the man checked the back page of the book that he found 
and found that the last two words had indeed been torn from the book. No. Microscopic tests indicated that the piece of paper was from the page torn from that book. It was a match. Oh, my God. That's fun. That's so fun. So this book's handed to the police. (gasps) And it baffles... And what they saw... Baffles them even more. On the back, on the inside cover, on the back of the book, detectives identified indentations from handwriting. So these included a telephone number, an identified number, and a text that resembled an encrypted message. So in the back were these fake indentations representing our five lines of text in capital letters, and if you look at it, it just looks like gibberish. Mm. But the second line has been crossed out, and the fourth line is the second line, but with a couple of changes. Mm. So indicating that. Possibly it was a code. He fucked up the second line, crossed it out, and wrote it out again. Because it was just gibberish. Why would you cross it out and write similar except for one character different? Yeah. So it's possibly a little, possibly a little code for the someone to find at the back of the book. Wow. Uh, the possible code was given to the Navy and other intelligence services as well, as well as published in the newspaper. But to this day, no one has been able to crack the code. Wow. To, did you say till this day? No one has been able to crack the code. Wow. Mind blown. <laughs> and the uh, copy of the book that was handed in, that exact copy, to this day, they have not been able to find an exact copy, like the same printing of the book. Get out. So it's a very individual book. That's insane. And I told you that an unlisted telephone number was found at the back of the book. Belonging to a nurse who, uh, for many years, was referred to as Jestin. Jestin. J-E-S-S-T-Y-N. I'll tell you why in a minute, but it's weird that. You just told me how to spell my own name. Jestin, but T-Y-N. Yeah. You've seen my birth certificate. Jestin Perkins. Oh, my goodness. I'm so sorry that I didn't realise. God, you're mansplaining my own bloody name at me. That was gross, Dave. Jesus. Sorry, Justin. <laughs> Justin's cool. I like Justin. You get, you get so many good nicknames on this show. Bob, Justin. They tracked the phone number down to Justin. Her house oh my God. is just 400 metres north of oh the location God. where the body was found on the beach. Oh, my God. Of course, she was interviewed by police. They were very keen to talk to Justin. She said that she did not know the dead man, but by many accounts, she was standoffish and appeared that she may have been trying to hide something. She was weird when they talked to her. Typical Justin. She said she did not know why the dead man, if this indeed was his book, had her phone number and chose to visit her suburb on the night of of his death. However, she also reported that uh, at a similar time in late 1948, an identified man had attempted to visit her and asked a next-door neighbour about her. So maybe someone was looking for her. Mm, what's Justin up to? Justin was shown the plaster cast bust of the dead man. By detect- they did his bust as well. <laughs> Do you recognise this recognize bust? His <laughs> this bust? Oh, he did have a big bust. That is so quick, Matt. Very fast, man. <laughs> you are. Look at me go. <laughs> she said that she did not recognise the pecs in front of her. Huh, interesting. I'd know I'd know your pecs. I could pick your pecs in a lineup, I reckon. When you know someone as when, well as I know yeah. you guys, I mean we're all good friends. We all know each other's pecs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Obviously. We've all worked out on the peck deck together. Yeah, we're yeah. always at the peck deck. We're the peck deck game. People yeah. say, Come on, what about leg day? And I say, Fucking peck deck day every day of the week, mate. <laughs> peck on. <laughs> 
to peck is to live. Yeah. To quote the Rubaiyat of Ramakayan. <laughs> I like the late night episodes. Peck deck. <laughs> hashtag peck deck. Hashtag smoison, hashtag peck deck. <laughs> So she's shown the bust, which is his head and shoulders. Detective Sergeant Leanne <laughs> Thompson. Some wacky names back then, weren't they? So, that's, that's not right. That's not right. Shown the bust with the head and shoulders by Detective Sh- Sergeant Lean, which looks a lot like Leanne. He shows Justin. She said she could not, not identify the person depicted. But according to Lean... He described her reaction upon seeing the cast as, quote, completely taken aback to the point of giving the appearance she was about to faint. Uh, in an interview many years later, Paul Lawson, who made the bust and was in charge of um, getting it out, uh, he said that he was present when uh, Justin had a look at it, noting she, that after looking at the bust, she immediately looked away and, and would not look at it again. She refused to look at the bust. So mm. this, isn't, this isn't even... A, like, obviously, if I saw a dead body, I'd probably find it a bit confronting. Totally. But this is just a bust. And she won't even look at it. And I'd be like, look at it, just <laughs> Fucking look at it. Look. Just look. No wonder she was afraid. And she was saying, I won't. I won't do it. Look at it. Look at his pecs. Look at those nipples. <laughs> Touch him. Nah, it's weird. <laughs> Touch his nips. So a bust, right? Is that... So that's like a, a that, head, and, head and shoulder. So when you see like a, uh, so they take they took the thing and then they filled it in with like a wax. It's like a wax bust or is it? It's a plaster. Plaster bust. Plaster bust. So they make the plaster cast mm-hmm. outline and then they fill that with plaster and then give you another like. It's the they invert it back out, right? So it's like a. It's not you're not seeing his face inside the plaster thing. No. Then no, they like a, fill it like, with something. It's in. like a three D model. Yeah. That's a bust. Face. Yeah. Yep. Plaster bust. Yeah. So they make it with plaster and then they fill that plaster God. with plaster. Is that what you're saying? Yep. Huh. Science, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's like year eight art class. Just, but just, uh, yeah. Craft, huh? <laughs> just didn't think a man could say the word plaster more that many times <laughs> in one sentence. And then finish it with science, science huh? huh? It's like, it's not really. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, no, good on you. Yeah. What a world we live in. Yeah. yeah it's amazing. Would have just thought it'd all become one big plaster piece. Make a wall out of him. Are you looking? He's looking at the plaster on the walls now. <laughs> Dave, please it. do go on. Look at what it, Justin what can do. Justin Blumenthal, as I like to call it, was yes. asked if she knew anything about the book of Rubaiyat of Ramakayan. And she said that she once owned a copy, but she gave it away to an ar- army lieutenant called Elf Boxall that she met whilst working as a nurse during the Second World War. As a result of their conversation with Thompson, police suspected that Boxer was the dead man. That makes sense because he knows her. He's got a copy of the book. Maybe he's got her phone number. Mm. Must be that guy just trying to find her. However, in July 1949, Boxer was found alive and well in Sydney and the final page of his copy of the Rubaiyat of Omar Khayyam was intact with the words Tamam Shud still in place. Mm. So it was a different copy of the book. But she did know it very well, this book. Wow. And in the front of the copy of the Rubaiyat that uh, was given to Boxall, Jestin had signed herself as Jestin, mm-hmm. uh, leading to her being called that by the police. Because she asked them, can you not give away my identity? Oh, it, it could be embarrassing for me to be associated with a murder victim. And they said yes, which actually hampered investigations further down the track because they didn't know who she was. Oh. She was uh, 
later named as Jessica Thompson, many oh. decades later, born in uh, 1921, and she was a nurse during the Second World War. Hmm. Justin. So, now we have some theories as to w- possibly what happened to the Somerton man. The most prevalent theory out there, the number one theory, is that he was a spy and that he was murdered. So this was the height of the Cold War at the time. So obviously, Soviets uh, uh, against um, USA, Australia at the time, 500 kilometers outside of Adelaide, the Woomera Long Range Weapons Establishment was being set up. So that would be a reason for a spy to be in Adelaide, wouldn't it, Jess? Mm-hmm. Tim? Mm-hmm. Adelaide seems like the place all the spies will go. Uh, the yeah. range is the largest land-based weapons facility in the entire Western world. Wow. Wow. So uh, it, it makes sense that you know, there could be someone there. Was he murdered by an untraceable poison? Did he ditch the book with a code written at the back of it because he thought he was being followed and then was murdered near the beach where he collapsed and died? That's what people might say that could have happened. Mm. Did he purposely himself remove all the tags from his own clothing as a spy? He didn't want his cover to be blown. Imagine if a spy had his name tagged all over his clothes. (laughs) (laughs) That would be amazing. (laughs) Oh, shit. This could backfire. What's your name, Dave Warnicke? Well, it says here that your name's Thomas Keane. Oh, shit. Oh, no. Don't check my underpants. Don't check my underpants. Can we see your underpants, sir? Oh, God, Mm. no. Jesus Christ. They know can I we, can't say no. Can we see your underpants, <laughs> it will look, I just want to get a little cider on them. <laughs> It'll look weird if I say no, but it's a weird request, I'll be honest. <laughs> so, they think he was a Russian spy or a Soviet spy? Well, or do they? Cause or what, he could be an American spy or an Australian spy. So, if he's an Australian spy... Right. So, wouldn't... Uh, and hmm. the Australians... Was the ASIO set up then or whoever it was? Was that... ASIO was later set up after this year. So, if it was an Australian spy, then wouldn't the Australian government have claimed him? Or they couldn't. They just have to leave him out there. Couldn't they have just given, come up with a story, you know? Because they'd, they'd be controlling that. Controlling the story. But if it, obviously, they can't come out at the time and say, yeah, that's our spy guy. But maybe mm. but they could... Couldn't they have maybe, like, come up with a story and fed it to the, the cops or something? Well, they could have done that. But maybe they have. That, but that makes what mm. the story is that at this stage a mystery. Bum, bum, bum. That's not. I mean, if you're gonna, you want it to be an open shut case, right? If you're, so that makes me think it's not an Australian. Possibly, My logic might be failing here. But if he was an Australian <laughs> and he was murdered by someone else, the body could have been discovered before his spy bosses found out what happened to him. Mm. Right. Yeah. No. And no. Then I they get go, that. Shit. Now we've got a guy. We know who he is, but he's been killed by something unexplainable. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Then they go, all right. Well, this. Is, then they put in the fake story about this guy, so that it'll just get cleaned up quickly. And they could do that. I don't know. Obviously, I don't. I don't understand anything. Why am I even fucking talking like I have an opinion on this? But prevalent. Good theory... night, everybody. <laughs> prevalent theory number two is that the Somerton man was going to see Jeston that night. Mm. So, because Jeston... Booty, booty call. call. <gasps> Get out of my head. Fucking hell. We're doing that so much lately. So remember, Sorry, Jess. <sighs> he's 400 metres from her house. He's got her phone number I mean, written down in a book. I mean, you're 400 metres from her house and you've got her phone number, that's booty call time. And she's 
you, you've got some poems ready to get it going. Mm-hmm. Rubai Adavama Kayam. Let me just read you a tale of love. Love. She might be like, oh, okay. Oh, Persian love. Persian love? Translated into my ear. <laughs> I know, but the Persian language is what gets me going at night. Can you speak a little? Oh, I, I hear, but I do not speak. Right. Interesting. That is actually a quote from the Rubai Adavama Kayam. Really? Absolutely not. <laughs> he uh, was waiting for one of us to say really. Thank so, you for taking the bait. So right. prevalent theory number two is that he was going to see Jess that night. So he's got her phone number. He's got the book that she knows and has given to a possible lover. People assume that her and Boxall were lovers. Mm. Really? In the Second World War. Huh? Jestin also had a son, Robin, born in 1947. She was single at the time and although claimed that she had been was married, she actually didn't get married until 1950. <gasps> so... Mystery father. Oh. Her son Robin had two distinctive facial features, an oddly shaped ear, and two missing... It was a triangle. (laughs) (laughs) It's got Captain Spock style ears. That was an equal three-sided triangle. (laughs) Three-sided triangle. (laughs) All equal sides. Equilateral. Now we have three of them. Equilateral? That's that's an equilateral. An equilateral three-sided triangle. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Quite never, rare. I've never seen such a thing. Quite rare, especially in the ear. <laughs> he's got a weird looking ear and he's got <laughs> two missing incisors in his teeth that left his canine teeth parked right next to his two front teeth, which oh. is strange. So he's got missing teeth, his canines are next to the front, the, your big choppers. You know what I'm saying? Imagine that. So he's got like the, the these daggery ones, yeah. like one over. Be yeah. A, oh, a little weird. more vampire That's weird. No. Would that be vampire Well, no. Vampires yeah. are about that. Uh, Robin. <laughs> what do I fucking care? <laughs> when Robin, when Robin became an adult, he became a dancer in the Australian ballet, noted for being blessed with very strong calves. Oh, do we remember who had the dancer's legs? I don't remember. No, who it was could Michael Flatley? Yeah, that's it. Was. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And the characteristics of the ears and the incisors were also shared by the Summerton man no. himself. What? No. That feels like open and yeah, shut. Yeah, you didn't mention that earlier, which is so probably that's who why. it is. It's Robin. So there's some... No, so... No, it's, it's Robin's dad. It's Robin's dad. <laughs> <laughs> Robin is the Summerton man. Hey, what, a one-year-old boy at the time? Yes. <laughs> The Summerton's man ear type, the weird ear type, the equilateral triangle, is possessed by only 1% to 2% of the Caucasian population. Uh, Professor Derek Abbott from the University of Adelaide, who was actually one of the foremost experts on the case. Ears. Of, and ears. He's an ear man. Some people are born pants man. Some people are born ears man. Hey, you got to follow your heart. Uh, he estimated the chance of it being a random coincidence that, he, that Robin having the same ears and teeth be somewhere between 1 in 10 million and 1 in 20 million. Okay. So it's him. It's Robin's dad. All right. Oh, it's Robin's dad. Fucking hell, <laughs> They yeah. both have it. Again. <laughs> How are you still confused by that? It's Robin's dad. <laughs> Wait, so I'm, I obviously wasn't listening for a, a little while. Mm. Was So Robin's dad, so ha, Robin's they know Robin's dad? Does he have a name? No. They no. just vaguely remember she his was teeth single and ear. So Justin no. had a child in 1947. <laughs> Fucking hell. No. Justin had a kid. In 1947, unknown dad. Right. And then this guy appears 400 metres from her house with a book with her phone number in it, and he happens to have the same teeth and the same ears 
and the same legs as her son with the unknown dad. Right. So people are like, maybe the guy was just trying to track down Justin that night. Oh, that feels like that's definitely it. Yeah. You said that before you even actually understood <laughs> what it was. You thought it was the one-year-old who was also a man. Well, I thought the one-year-old <laughs> was a man. The dead man. <laughs> Another perhaps bizarre coincidence occurred earlier, June 3rd, 1945. A guy called George Ma- Marshall, age 34, was found dead of poisoning in Mossman, Sydney. It was believed to be a suicide, right? Mm. But a copy of the Omar Khayyam was found open next to his body. Mossman is between St. Leonard's, where Jeston, the nurse, lived, and Clifford Garden, Clifton Gardens, where she later met Boxall, the man who she gave a copy of the Omar Khayyam to. So is this woman killing people and giving them books? Oh. No. Oh. Definitely not. Remember, Justin was a nurse, and perhaps she had knowledge of poisons and the digitalis and the poisons, oh. that kind of stuff. And she looked funny at the man's bust. <clears throat> yeah, she wouldn't look at him. She finds large man pictorial very intimidating. Don't we all? Especially when they go... I'm not sure I get this. Do you want me to oh. show you? <laughs> You mean the actual pecs do that? Yeah, the pecs dance. Gotcha. The pec dance. That's the song that the pecs dance to. It's do, their do, national do, anthem. Do, do, do. Yeah, great. And that's their national dance. Yep. So, was Jeston the murderer? <gasps> yes. She was, she was never never even mentioned at the inquest into the death and neither was the book. So maybe it was a conspiracy, Matt, to leave out that information. Maybe she was a spy as well. Right. Some people put forward that they met. In spy school. She was pregnant. Spy school. She went back. So well, she moved to Adelaide. He found out she lived there. Took a train there. Maybe he, some people say that maybe he was he died of natural causes. His spleen was three times larger than it should have been. Maybe he went there to find her and just died on the beach that night. That'd be unlucky. Well, I guess dying. Yeah, it's all unlucky. Surely by now, if the government it was a cover up, wouldn't they have released that info by now? Or does that not yeah, it's happen? been seventy years. Uh, Jeston, Jessica died in 2007, denying that she knew the Somerton man right up until her death. And her son, Robin, with the big legs, died in 2009. Oh. So they're, they're no longer around to ask any more questions. A crazy postscript fact here is that Professor Derek Abbott, the guy from Adelaide University I mentioned before, who is... Pants like man. One of the... Ear uh, man. Ear man, an expert on the case. During his studies of the case, he met a woman called Rachel Egan. They fell in love and got married and have three children. Rachel is the daughter of Robin, who is, the, su- who is the son of Jeston, meaning that Derek believes his wife's real grandfather was the Somerton man, the guy that he's dedicated his life to writing about. Wow. Isn't that fucking crazy? Yes. And that's coincidental. Yeah. Well, he met her on his studies. Right. They fell in love. Aww. And his big theory, he's the guy that came out and said, the ears match, the teeth match. So I think that Robin, who is my father-in-law, is actually the, the son of son. the Summerton man. Wow. Have their kids got the, the teeth and the ears? I'm not sure. I haven't tested them yet. Okay. <laughs> but when I track them down, one by one, open your mouth, boy. <laughs> is it a big test? Just probably have a bit Just of a look at him. Have a little quick look. Just pretend to be a fake dentist. Yeah. So I'll do it. Or take a photo of cheese. Just, I mean, most people will show their teeth eventually, especially if they're feeling threatened. It's only a matter of time. You back them into a corner. That's dogs. 
<laughs> get their teeth out. They start snar- the ch- his kids start ah. snarling at me. But that is the uh, the mystery of the Summerton Man. That is such an interesting and unsatisfying bit, story. Uh, no, I'm sorry. It's a mystery. It's so good. I know it always comes comes to the end and it feels unsatisfying because I've got no answers for you. I just love it when, when Dave does these mystery ones and he just does them in all sort of short, fragmented sentences. The man <laughs> caught a train. He had one ticket in his left pocket. <laughs> he knows all the details. Those great. little, I love those things. I love Dave's reports in general and I love Dave. I love him. I'm a big fan of mysteries, guys. If you want me to do more mysteries, let me know some more mystery topics. Yeah, I love them. DB yeah. Cooper, Day at Love Pass. I've been Tell hanging to find out about the Tom and Shud case. No, sorry. What do you, how do you actually say it? Tamam Shud. Tamam Shud. Fuck, I'm not even getting all the letters right. Have you heard the drone song? I'll post that this week. No, so what's that? It's a. Uh, it's it's not really about it necessarily, but it's called Tom and Shud. Uh, Tom and Shud. Um, and it's immense. Mentions Andrew Bolt in it. Sure. And it goes. It's all good mystery songs, should. <laughs> yeah. I should Andrew look Bolt, of course, being a, a very uh, right wing political commentator in Australia. It's a it's a banging rock and tune. I should uh, I highly recommend it. Excellent, thank you. Do yourself a favour. Thanks so much. No worries. Mm. Let's Dave. get it to the top of the charts, <laughs> Dave. That was a great report. Did you enjoy that? Yes. Probably sped through it quicker than I thought I would. Fascinating. So here we are. What's Not okay. that long at all. I was expecting to. Drone on and on as the drones do. Hey, can you can you <laughs> drop a little bit of the track into the end of this uh, episode? Can you stop asking him to put in sound tracks to the show that we've never done? Can you make my voice sound like I'm in a cave? He's not a miracle worker. <laughs> <laughs> Dave is. You thought I was going to say something like, "Can you make my voice sound cool?" And then that would have made sense. But, but I said something is, weird. It's very and you're easy. Like, it's quite an easy. Very attainable. <laughs> you locked it in. <laughs> I was ready to go. I was ready to shut you down. But also, if you actually think about it, these three mics. Okay, sorry to pull back the curtain here. They all will just all mix onto one track. But, he, but it, not yet. He could easily put on a on a cave effect. <laughs> you're asking so much, but then but then the, you would have been a cave. And it wouldn't have made any sense until now. <laughs> People are just like looking at their at their phones and, and checking their headphones, going, "What? Why does Matt sound like that?" <laughs> he was telling like I'm in a cave. Schmoisens and, 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 and. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. Can you do that? I'll do it. I'll commit to the joke. That'll be so satisfying because everyone gets to the end of a mystery and it feels unsatisfied, but this time. The mystery of why Matt sounded fucked the whole episode has been solved. <laughs> if anyone gets to the end, which oh, I yeah. doubt many would. That's so good. Anyway, uh, we need to thank some Patreon people. Yes, we do. And thank you to everyone that has suggested the Tamanshud or Summerton Man case for as a topic. Yeah, what a fascinating story. I love that. And I love it. I love it how you present um, mysteries. It's I try to make it a bit good. mysterious. I love it yeah, too. No I shit. genuinely write into it. I, um, I like to make the mystery episodes mysterious. I also oh. love how that's like a obviously a, an Australian mystery and it's still not that widely known. No, I'd never heard of it. I, yeah, I, it'd be... It's something you should study at school. It's so cool. Yeah, it's real fascinating but it's the thing that makes it is a little bit of paper, right? Yeah, like the fact... I mean, cutting off the tags and stuff's very, very interesting, but the the little bit of paper... Yeah, they find the paper that and book. it's like, hang on. And the fact that he's got the phone number, he's got like a... Co- I'll post a picture mm. of the code as well that 
Oh, Maybe right. one of our listeners can crack that after 70 years. That does feel like a spy thing, right? It does feel spy. But then other people are like, maybe it was just gibberish he's written at the back of the book. Yeah, it feels kind of sus. I don't know. It's weird. Maybe we'll never know. We'll ne- we won't. We will never know. All right, let's thank some Patreon uh, people that we've got uh, here. Matt, would you like to uh, kick us off this week? Oh, thanks, Dave. Yeah, I would. I'd love to thank Elijah Kishelet. <laughs> Do you want to have another go at that? <laughs> it's a, it's a no, cool name. I just want to double check that I... I'd, yeah, I would, Dave. Thank you so much for um, putting that over to me. I'd love to uh, thank Elijah Shelley, if I could. And I think Elijah. I can, and I did. Yeah. Elijah Shelley. Sweet name. God, Jeez, our listeners. Have the best names. That's a good so one. Good. Uh, and they are from my favorite state, the state of happiness. And <laughs> Ohio in America. And oh, Ohio. Oh, we love also. Ohio. The state of happiness. Uh, speaking of. <laughs> yeah, Wait, did you have more? Well, no, I don't have any more, but I'd just really like to underline the point that Elijah, you're the best. You're the best. Don't tell everyone else, but you're my favorite. Matt, we can all hear you. Oh. <laughs> I would also like to thank my favourite uh, from New York, Cole Edwards. Oh, that's a cool now the name, name Cole always makes me think of uh, Mr. Holland's Opus. Anybody seen that movie? Yeah. And his son's name's Cole. With and then Richard Dreyfus. Yeah, and he's signing "Beautiful Boy," the John Lennon song, but he changes it to "Beautiful Cole." Oh gosh, so good. Anyway, Cole always makes me think of bad children at Christmas time. Interesting. Okay, so we have different thoughts there, but thank you, Cole. Um, thank you very much. Oh, for here we go, Jess. Thanking Cole. Hey, how about a clean energy future? <laughs> yeah, you piece of work. I'm thanking the person. I'm thanking the person. Go oh, sorry. The person. Sorry, I thought you were changing topics. Who, who's? I thought for some reason, just coincidentally, you were changing topics. Anyway, uh, <laughs> anyway, thank you, Cole. Here are my thoughts on for uh, <laughs> keeping uh, keeping in Australia moving. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Cole. You're great. And go solar power. <laughs> I'd like to uh, jump across to the UK now. If we could thank uh, one of our Leeds listeners from Yorkshire. I'd like to thank Isaac Smith. Ah, the Hawthorne Creative Defender. Is that actually the same name? Exactly? Yeah, Isaac Smith. Who, just to throw us off the scent there, has made his address appear like he lives in Yorkshire. Mm. But really, he lives in Hawthorne, I imagine. He missed a critical goal after the siren last year oh, uh, in a final. Isaac, what did you do? Yeah. Now, I'm sure you're much better than your football namesake. Thanks so much for your support. Did you know that you share your name with one of the three members of Hanson? The oldest and most unhandsome. Well, no, I think you're better with age. Yeah, it's interesting. Because that... I had a big thing for Zach. No. Yes, Zach, the, the little one, one. The drummer. Oh, he was, was like it? my age, or like only a couple of years older. And now it's like, yeah, you're fine. But it, I reckon Isaac's probably the best looking one now. The See, most fascinating... Hang in there, Isaac Smith. The most fascinating there. thing I found out today was that uh, Isaac from Hanson's surname is Smith. Hmm. Mm-hmm. He's living a lie. Half-brother. Ah. half-brother. Different dads. <gasps> Oh. With funny teeth and dry <gasps> Oh my god Robin <laughs> The Tom and Shud 
Don't sing the song. Just post it on social media. Speaking of social media. You can get in contact at any time with us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. At do go on pod. How about uh, email? Do go on pod at gmail.com. And of course, Patreon. If you would like to be mistaken for a member of Hanson. <laughs> We will do that for you. And we also... we Definitely uh, done it before, I reckon. We release bonus episodes once a month. Yeah. So you can get that. Do little reports. We do little Q&As. Do a little quiz. That kind of stuff. Bonus fun. Good times. Uh, if you support patreon.com slash do go on pod. Yeah. Go and do it. Please do go on to give us your cash. Cash, cash, cash. Sweet cash. And Jess and Matt will get a sweet, sweet tat. Yeah. Closing <laughs> yeah. in on that goal. Uh, thanks to everyone that has chipped in since we mentioned it last week. JP, you are going to be back next week with a sweet report. I forgot about that. Yes, oh, I am. You're doing a sweet one. Yeah, I'm doing a sweet one. Aww. Can you make yours a wholesome subject? Okay. That's it. All right. That's been a, a few dead bodies. Uh, not really on brand for me, but... Um, yeah, you love the murdery types. I love them. I love the murdery types. Actually, you know, like don't tell them it's going to be wholesome because they want blood. We know you listeners. Yeah, they just won't listen next week if we're like, oh, we're going to talk about ponies and how great they are. We've already done that. Yeah, that was my little pony. Friendship is magic. There we go. Yes, is it is. It? Yeah, sorry. But it's less interesting than murder. Oh, okay. Interesting. That's my, that's my motto. Interesting. Friendship is magic, but less interesting than murder. Very interesting points. Okay. Yeah, I'll take that. Take it on board. Yep. That's on board. Got it? Locked and loaded. Beautiful. Let's get out of here. It's late. It is late, and hopefully it's not late where you are, listener, but you can go, uh, go to bed now, if you like. Go to bed. Go on. Wherever you are, please go to bed right now, unless you're driving a train. Any other vehicle is fine. Go no, to bed right now. Train. Actually, the train's probably the best because it's on tracks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Okay. No, nah, I'd probably... I mean, if it's safe to do so, go to bed. Or if you want to. If it's night time. Or nap time. Fuck, I don't know. We've got to go. Thanks so much for listening, guys. We will see you next week. And until then, I will say goodbye. Bye. Can you make my voice sound... Like I'm in a cave. He's not a miracle worker. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.